Well, hello, everybody. This is Chris with the Weather Guys, and this is the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, episode number 15. Today, me and one of my team members, Mr. Larry, uh, sat down on his front porch and just talked about weather. We just talked about current events. At the time, uh, when it was recorded, the uh, Saharan dust was uh, bearing down on the southeastern United States, and uh, it was uh, was a pretty cool thing to see, some pretty cool sunsets and sunrises. Uh, A lot of our followers uh, got us some uh, pictures and some drone footage of it, and thank you. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it, and continue to always do that for us. So uh, I'm just trying something a little different. Um, I would like for everyone to make sure you go to Facebook.com, The WX Guys. Follow us there. Uh, Comment, like, share all of our stuff on Facebook. Go to Twitter.com, WX underscore guys, and check out all of our uh, tweets and uh, also share our stuff, like our stuff, comment on our stuff. Check out the podcast wherever you find all your local podcasts. And you can find us on Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes. Leave us some comments, please. Let us know how we're doing. Give us your input. Just even if you do a thumbs up, that's enough. Do a thumbs up. Say, that's awesome. It's great. Do some more content. You know, let us know. Positive and negative comments. We we want them all. Let us know what we can do to make this podcast better. So without further ado, let's get this show rolling. The request of the South Carolina Emergency Management Agency. The National Weather Service has issued Tornado Watch number 36. This is in northern Greenville County. Look at this. Anywhere from marble to quarter size to a larger than golf ball size hail has been reported with. We'll get ready for major changes underway right now. Is- Here's kind of your bottom line in the upstate. Mostly rain Saturday, a wintry mix on Sunday. Welcome to the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, your best resource for weather information today. And now on to Chris. Hey everyone, it's Chris with the Weather Guys and... This is me. <laughs> That's the... That's what I always say. Larry's with us here, everybody. Um, That's what I got on my Facebook biography. This is me. Well, no, normally your your Facebook page says uh, that you're in like Ireland or Japan or something. <laughs> so where are you Actually, at today? I'm in Lyman. I changed it to Lyman. I'm going to be in Lyman this summer. That works. Sounds good. That's where I'm at, too. Um, so, folks, um, everyone, uh, give you the date. It is uh, Saturday, June 27th. It's right up after 5 p.m. Um, we're having an interesting um, conversation here. We want to talk about the weather, uh, a couple things that's going on, you know, current events, and uh, different outlooks possibly. And uh, we're sitting outside on uh, Mr. Larry's front porch, so you'll be hearing in the background some uh, drag racing right down the street and cars passing by. So um, this is going to be a, uh, an interesting and fun podcast, so let's get to it and have some fun. Um, First off, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, this goes. I mean, um, this uh, Saharan dust or Saharan dust, whatever you want to call it, comes from Africa and um, Iraq and Saudi Arabia and uh, the Middle East, and it just blows across the Atlantic. Um, usually, just kind of makes it probably 20, 30 miles off the coast of Africa, and then just kind of gets dissolved. Um, but in this case, uh, it's a uh, it's a pretty rare event to see it as strong and thick as it is and for it to make it all the way over here. What do you think? Yeah, it can be, um, it varies. It's, it has peaks and valleys just like uh, other weather phenomena. Uh, 
It can. Well, it's it's there every year, and it depends on. Of course, the Sahara Desert is, is dry. The Middle East is dry, and it's dry all the time. But it really has to do with the wind, westerly winds. If they're real strong, then they're going to pick up a lot more dust. It's just kind of common sense. And it can, uh, those westerlies continue. Uh, and they do this time of year. Because that, that dust layer will, is stronger through the summer, typically, and into the August, June to August, typically. But it can continue longer. Well, the uh, the dust um, it inhibits tropical cyclone formation, um, and um, to make that very simple for the listeners out there is a uh, you know tropical cyclone is a low pressure system that's um, formed over water, and um, it it needs breathable air, kind of like a fire. If you um, light a match and you put it in a jar. And then you turn the jar upside down, what's going to happen? The match is going to go out because you just suffocated all the oxygen. It's the same thing with a hurricane um, or a tropical cyclone. If you, uh, if you snuff out any ability for it to, to, to breathe and to, to form, then it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And that's what this Saharan dust does to a tropical cyclone or um, surrounding weather areas to create... Um, a hurricane. Yeah, that um, the, the circulation can form at the surface of the ocean, which is where hurricanes start, but as they uh, try to vent uh, into the upper atmosphere, like hurricanes do, uh, the dry air just uh, kind of cuts everything down, to, uh, dries it out, dries out moisture, and mm-hmm. kind of it inhibits in, inhibits. There's that word again. That's a hard word to say. <laughs> uh, that layer's, you know, two and a half miles thick. And uh, if it's thick, I mean, it can be that thick and not be as thick as it is. But if it's that thick, it is, I mean, it's going to inhibit. It just historically inhibits tropical development. It's just, that's just the facts that they've uh, discovered through the years. So what are you thinking about this one, um, with it being so rare? You know, the, the rarity of this is what? What is the rarity? Yeah, I looked that up, and uh, we had a peak. Um, as long as they've been measuring that layer, I don't know. I can't remember the first years they started really looking at it, but I know that 1973, 83, and 87 were three years that um, they considered peak years. And uh, we only had, uh, in the, I'm talking about the Atlantic Basin, only had one major hurricane that year, on those years, and uh, less than 10 total storms. So they were considered below average years. Uh, so that really is going to affect the tropical outlook. Um, I, I'm sure everybody's got their opinion about it. But if it lasts into the fall, the layer does, then would say we may not even have a hurricane it's just that's that's how thick it is right now so you're thinking that uh these ejections of the saharan dust is uh just going to continue possibly into the fall it could yeah Yeah. Um, it could um which is that's that's, a good thing that's just a forecast that's true it's just an outlook and 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 that's a good in my opinion that's a good thing to to want 
be honest with you, I'd rather deal with a little bit of breathable issues than death from a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. And you can have tropical development in between. There's a plume coming over us now, and there's another large plume in the central yes, there uh, is. Atlantic. But in between, there's, you're going to have areas that don't have as much. You can still get a tropical development in there. Right now, uh, what I'm looking at on uh, the GOES satellite, uh, they have, uh, you know, we have weather models. We have the Euro, the Enzo, the HRR, et cetera, et cetera. All, all of y'all have heard that um, over the years. Um, uh, I remember a couple years ago I was talking about the uh, um, this Saharan dust, and I couldn't seem to find a model on it. And it seems like within the last couple of years, uh, uh, NASA has um, given us one. And uh, what I'm seeing here is... Uh, Right now, it looks like the uh, the dust is really heavily located over Georgia and southern Georgia towards uh, Savannah and most of all of Georgia and uh, into uh, Charleston and whatnot in South Carolina. It's showing that would be the thickest areas, and right now there's a ton of cloud cover here, so can't really see much there. But when it comes to this uh, dust situation, it's going to be best seen during sunrise and sunset. Now, why is that, Larry? Do you know? Um, when the sun's setting, the atmosphere is thicker because you're looking through the side of the atmosphere as opposed to, so it's a lot thicker. Yeah. But you're seeing more dust return. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look across the atmosphere, you're looking at a thick atmosphere that's a thousand miles thick. Mm-hmm. Because you're looking that way. It's what, only 20 miles that way. So. What's the, um, the height level of this dust? Oh, it's two and a half miles thick, and it's, I think they, um, what, oh. The meteorologists are saying it's around 4,000 feet. So Okay, all right. Where it begins, that's how light it is. So let me ask you this. This is a question that popped in my own head. Um, if it were to start raining, it rains above 4,000 feet. Yeah. Would it come through dirty, muddy looking? Would it? Well, and it's funny because uh, you know, we've, we've had dust from out west in the southeast before. I remember those years. And uh, people have talked about it raining mud. Really? Out in uh, Texas yeah. and some of those places, drier places. Is that why they nick- nicknamed it the Dust Bowl? Well, <laughs> well, the Dust Bowl goes back to the 30s when they actually had a real Dust Bowl. Yeah. But uh, so so that possibility could exist that you could see like yeah. dirty, cloudy water. Yeah. I, I mean, more rainwater. Clean, white surface maybe outside and yeah. it started raining. I, I, I bet you, I bet it would come down brown, sort of like it. Snow's black up north sometimes. Yeah. In their pollution. That's, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't I that guess, be wouldn't that be acid rain? <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, um I, yeah, that was just a cool joke. I mean a, a cool question because I was just thinking about it. C- yeah, kinda just popped in my head. But um, um yeah, um, everyone, it seems like currently uh, this is about the only thing we can really, you know, exciting thing to talk about because um there's you know it's summertime in the southeast here um and uh summertime around here means hot humid and oppressive usually usually right now it's not been too terribly bad it's been pretty decent it's always humid so we're all used to that but um you know heat indexes haven't hit 97 to 100 yet in most places and if they have it's been from like 3 to 5 p.m and then it started to cool off we haven't gotten to that that hot hot part of the summer yet um i've been uh preaching to uh the choir here with uh, the weather team and uh 
everybody uh, that follows the weather guys uh, that I believe, me, Chris, believes that um, from the start of 2020 until now that I believe that we were going to have a pretty hot, nasty summer here. And um, it's proving me a little bit wrong right now, but summer's just getting started. Yeah, that's... Um Actually, in Europe, they've had some record heat this week, and, uh, and in Asia, I, I did notice that. So, really, what it comes down to is after the winter time, um, cold air comes off the poles into the uh, lower latitudes, and that's this year it's the North America. Um, yeah. You know, some years it's the other side of the globe. This year it's, it's North America, and. Uh, that pattern keeps coming down. Um, we keep keep having these cutoff lows, and uh, the weather pattern is very active. It's not controlled by high pressure. Bermuda High is just can't is not even in the picture hardly. Um, so um, it's been a, an excellent spring. It's been a long time since I've seen a spring like this. We've had a lot of rain. It's been cool. It reminds me of some springs way back. It's just been an excellent year. Um, people have been posting a lot of bloom pictures this year. Mm -hmm. Everybody's bragging about their flowers and their trees and stuff that are blooming. Well, the extra rain has really has come at a good time. Uh, as far as predicting what the summer's going to do. Oh, look at there. Oh, I bet we got some dirty rain. <laughs> hey, we got some rain. Look at that. Hey, check out the radar. It's awesome. All right, everyone, let's move on to the next uh, topics of discussion here. Um, I'm thinking uh, let's kind of think about how uh, the summer um, is going to look, um, what we're maybe expecting. Um, let's talk about some tropical impacts, and hopefully, um, you know, it would be just a forecast at this point, seeing as the, uh, the dust layer, um, the potential of it continuing is still there. It's not like it's just going to go away. Um, so... Um, I'm just going to look at um, some other people's um, outlook right here uh, and see what they've kind of said, just kind of summarize it up. Um, overall, a warm summer is expected. Uh, this is for the United States, not just the uh, southeastern United States. Um, and uh, the MJO can be a big factor. And um, it's looking like uh, the June to August 2020 forecast is looking to be near to normal average normal average average i know he can't stand it when i say the word normal um more or less to what is to be expected during june and august for the southeast um that's that's a forecast uh let's see um what do you think larry average i don't think it's gonna be like 2014 we had polar vortex in july and uh, we were in the mountains in July, about froze. Um, that was a very chilly summer. Um, I don't think it's gonna be like anything like that. I think it's gonna be uh, seasonable, pretty, pretty, pretty average. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the uh, pattern for the cool, the cooler nights and, um, and cooler spells that um, flip between warm and hot and cool and mild you're gonna see, you're gonna still see that because we still, we still continue to get that North Atlantic blocking 
it's kind of slowed up the patterns and that's why we're getting these lows digging in um, and around the east coast and these cutoff lows and they just things aren't moving like they were last year everything was pretty zonal and it just it just rushed uh, through the area and off to the east coast but now everything's slowed up and that kind of that helps uh, pull in more cooler air helps pull in more systems and um, you know, I think you're pretty looking at pretty average summer. Yeah. And with your your average lows is going to be in the 60s and highs in the mid to upper 80s and with some 90s. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, some years you can you can hit 100 if you get everything together. But I just don't think, uh, I think it's pretty average this year. Precipitation and uh, temperature-wise. Which, which is a good thing. I agree. I agree. Um, it seems like the precipitation pattern is not going anywhere anytime soon. Seems like we're still looking at all the you know the rain that we've had. We've had a lot of rain this entire mm -hmm. from 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 summer last year until now. A good a good bit. Um, we're still getting a good northwest flow off from my, out of um, the Arctic. So uh, on this side of the earth, it's going to be that way for a while. I don't know, um, with La Nina, and we talked about that, um, it, it could turn off dry in August or the fall. And if that high pressure can take over, and Bermuda High can, if it shifts in, a little bit further south, then things will heat up. But uh, right now, it's just kind of, it's a little bit north. Yeah. Creating some blocking. Well, I was, you know, I was just reading here, um, it was saying, that um, uh, let me get it right here. Uh, that the MJO could, is going to be a big factor this summer. So I'm looking at the MJO currently. Um, the current outlook for the MJO for uh, June 27th, 2020 to July 11th, 2020 is um, looking like it's between a phase one and a phase two, and kind of hanging out in phase one and two, and maybe moving towards phase three by uh, the end of July. I think it's right in here. So what does phase one, two, and three mean for um, June, July, and August? Phase one um, is a, uh, for the southeast United States, a cooler, cooler, not as warm and not as neutral. Um, phase two is a lot cooler temperature-wise. And uh, phase three is where it starts to warm back up. Um, let's look at the... Uh, precipitation here in just a minute but the uh, phases one and two is kind of where we are now um, in the June July uh, time frame and it's showing that um, that it's not possibly moving to a phase three until mid-July which would, would kind of make sense pretty average yeah definitely makes sense um, let's see what the uh, precipitation has to say about it um, and remember cooler than average if you've got more rain and more clouds you're gonna be cooler absolutely even though if, if it was High pressure was in control. It would be dry and hot. March. Um, so, uh, tell us what you know about the MJO, Larry. Not a whole lot. Just what you told me. Yeah. Uh, it's just. Uh, well, you told me some new stuff today that I didn't know about. Well, I just uh, we were talking about the MJO versus the QBO, and uh, it's just. The elevation that they're measured is the, is the difference between the two. I think an MGO is uh, measured at um, 
40,000, somewhere around 40,000 feet, I think is what I saw. Okay. I think they measure all that with weather balloons or something. So I finally pulled up the uh, June, July, August precipitation um, composites for the MJO. Uh, phase one um, is a, a mildly, mildly to weakly wet, um, and uh, phase two is more substantially wetter for the southeast United States, and phase three is more of a drier phase. Uh, and uh, per the MJO, like I said, it is um, current forecast, uh, which uh, is this is the uh, ensemble GFS um, forecast showing phase one, two, and possibly moving into three into the middle of July. Um, pretty. What's, what's that gray area? That that's the uh, the plume. Okay. So that gives you an idea of where it's located, where it's right. heading. It's going into a, a strong phase two right now. So a strong phase two um, is cooler than normal, cooler than average, excuse me, cooler than average temperatures. And uh, phase two would be wetter than, than, than average. And I would agree. Yeah, I need, I need to spend more time with MJO. I, I would. I haven't um, looked at that much. Um, just I for remember the, you uh, talking about it in... Uh, it's just one of those things that, that I haven't really... Just for the listeners out there... I started really looking at it more this week, put that way. Just for the listeners out there, uh, MJO stands for the Madden-Julian Oscillation. Uh, that's a uh, long-range style of forecasting. Uh, gives us an ability to look... Well, oscillations, they're all over the entire globe. Keyword oscillating, it's moving. Uh, that's what the weather is. It's caused by the Earth spinning. The Earth spinning causes weather... Blah blah blah. We're not going to have a science lesson here, but um, that's how forecasters um, get a better idea about what's going to happen in the future. Is with all these different oscillations that we have, and uh, one of them that we're discussing right now would be the Madden-Julian oscillation. That one can help determine uh, the types of, uh, of of weather you're going to have, temperature and uh, precip wise. And you have different. <clears throat> excuse me. You have different phases. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, and they're all different per uh, the time of year that you're that you need them to be. Um, and uh, you know, we're getting that. Um, th they're a three-month period based on uh, January, February, March, February, March, April, May, March, April, May, April, May, June, May, June, July, June, July, August, June. June, August, I mean July, August, September, August, September, October, September, October, November, October, November, December, November, December, January, December, January into February. That's how they use the uh, Madden-Julian oscillation, and you can find this on the Climate Prediction Center at uh, uh, cpc.ncep.noaa.gov. That's where you can find that. And why do we use um, MJO? Well. Here's something interesting. On this particular um, Climate Prediction Center webpage, I can also click on El Nino and La Nina outlooks, the MJO, which is what we're talking about now, and the different teleconnections, the Arctic Oscillation, the North Atlantic Oscillation, the uh, Pacific um, Oscillation, and uh, the Arctic, the Antarctic Oscillation. But uh, let's see here. What is the current El Nino um, outlook? Uh, well, let's change that back. The current Enzo outlook. Enzo, yeah. 
Uh, Enzo, this was, oh, this was updated a long time ago. I'm going to have to pause that one. Yeah, I just, I just saw it yesterday. Slightly, La Nina into January 2021 yesterday. That's the last thing I saw. That was a Euro. They haven't updated it since June 11th? That makes no sense. Yeah, it, it, yeah that, okay. That makes no sense. Uh, yeah, that's the last one I saw. Yeah. yeah, but they normally, they do it like every week. Yeah, that's what I thought. Must be the corona. <laughs> that uh, COVID stopping their work. Yeah, COVID forecast. So uh, let's discuss um, uh, El Nino, La Nina, um, Enzo, um, E-N-S-O. Let's discuss that. Currently, uh, right now, it is in an Enzo neutral, that same pattern we have seen since last fall almost, like the start of, well, the end of fall maybe. Um, and it's just stayed that way. Now, what that means is, I'll give you some numbers. Um, zero is ne completely neutral. Anything plus, so say plus one would be El Nino. Minus one would be La Nina. Um, any number in between zero and one would be a neutral phase. That's just the number side of it. Um, currently, uh, like I said, we're in an Enzo neutral. The um, March, April, May was a 0 0.3. Let me rephrase that. Can go from anything positive, like 0 0.9 plus 0 0.9 to minus 0 0.9. That's neutral. Once you hit the 1, that becomes El Nino, and once you hit the negative 1, that becomes La Nina. Or anything on either side of zero is plus or minus is, yeah. is considered. But then you go, then you break it down, say slightly not La Nina, and then mm -hmm. moderately La Nina, and then strong. I mean, some people break it down, but. Per the um, Australian Government Bureau of Meteorology, I tend to like to use their, their information just as much as using our own. What uh, they are um, looking at is a La Nina watch. Both the El Nino Southern Oscillation, the ENZO, and the Indian Ocean Dipole, IOD, remain neutral. However, cooling in the tropical Pacific Ocean has continued, and the majority of the models anticipate this cooling will be close to the threshold for La Nina by early spring. Consequently, the Bureau's ENZO outlook has shifted to a La Nina watch. A La Nina watch means that the chance of La Nina forming in 2020 is around 50% roughly double the average likelihood. These models indicate La Nina could form by late winter with another two models suggesting thresholds could be approached during early spring. Now let me remind you, this is Australia talking so that their uh, spring and winter and summer and fall are completely different dates, months than ours here in the Southeastern United States. Um, so late winter for them would be uh, late summer for us spring for them would be fall for us. So that's what that means. How does uh, La Nina affect the climate and the type of weather that we can see around here in the southeastern United States? Um, I'm looking at a couple of different um, websites and information here, uh, but La Nina is essentially the uh, normal cooling of the sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean. La Nina usually follows an El Nino event, usually, but not always. 
And La Nina is the opposite of El Nino. 2016. In, let's see, summer of 2015 into the spring of 2016 was strong El Nino. And ever since then, it's just been real close to just on one side or the other, neutral. It's just... Yeah, the uh, the pattern. The, well, well, just like they said, um, typically La Nina follows after a strong El Nino event, which that would make sense. I mean, it sure does. And it, <clears throat> weather is patterns, climate is patterns. So you said what? 2015, 16, and seventeen. Is that what you said? Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. Was, yes, was the super. Fifteen into two sixteen was strong. Was, was strong. Two and a half, two point six, two point five, two point four. So. So 2015-16, so it's now 2020. It's been five years since that. Mm-hmm. Now it's going into a La Nina, and a La Nina lasts kind of like the same way as an El Nino would, one or two years, and then it comes right back out of it. So yeah. that that um, article that I had seen about not seeing El Nino again to 2025 is looking more right. I think so. It's, uh, it's like a five-year pattern maybe. Yeah, March, April, May was 0.3 plus, and then April, May, June, I think was 0.5. So, I mean, it's, it's headed, since December, it has headed toward La Nina, although it's still neutral. It's progressing, but it's progressing slowly toward um, La Nina. Looking up the, uh, the last time we had a La Nina, Well, okay, uh, the last time we had a strong La Nina was 2010, 2011. Yeah, um, yeah there it is. That's been a while. Uh, strong-wise. Um, a weak one, 2017, 2018. Yeah, it wasn't much. It was 1.0 November, December, January of uh, 2017. That period right in there, but that's it. Well, anyway. Looking at this website right here, it says that we've been in a weak El Nino for 2019 and 2020. It was just slightly. Yeah. The chart. That's what the chart shows. Yeah. It was. Um, it's the thing about it. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months of last year. We were slightly El Nino, and three more months we were very slight La Nino. But not, it, it just it stayed right at neutral. So it was 0.8 January last year. Put it that way. January, February, March was 0.8. So and that was uh, El Nino. January, February, March. Yeah. yeah, I see it right there. Yep, yep, it is. Uh, it was 0.8, and then um, on down was 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5. Then we hit uh, January. No. June, July, August of 19 was neutral. So we've been uh, fluctuating, but uh, the last uh, very strong uh, La Nina was uh, 2010, 2011. So I'm curious to see how the weather was around here then. When? 2010, 2011. Since Say that again, 2010, 2011, what? 2011, January, we had had a good snow. Yeah. Or two. It was a cold one. 
Christmas 2010 was uh, snow, snow on Christmas Day. 20, December 25th, 2010. Got about two, three inches of snow on Christmas Day. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it didn't last long, I don't think, because it kind of warmed up that day and everything was gone really quick. Yeah, it stayed pretty chilly all winter. Well, let's see. Um, okay, June, July. Okay, there we go. Uh, minus one and minus 1.4 uh, was the summer of La Nina that year. 2010-2013 southern United States and Mexico drought was a severe to extreme drought that plagued the southeastern United States including parts of Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Oklahoma. It was very dry. Uh, uh, the southwestern states, including Kansas, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona, as large parts of Mexico, in a three-year pattern from 2010 to 2013. The worst effects were in Texas, which experienced the brunt of the drought in the driest August-July 12-month period mm -hmm. from 2010-2011, and that would be a La Nina. That was a very strong La Nina. Yeah, you're going to get the droughts with the La Nina, typically. The drought began to do to a due to a strong Nina developing by the summer of 2010, which uh, brings below average rainfall to the southern United States. The effects of La Nina could be noticed immediately as much as south as much of the south receives important rainfall during the summer, and this was the driest summer for Texas and Georgia in the 21st century thus far. Yeah, and it's been a minute since we've been in a drought. Yeah, we rode around Lake. It's been Hartwell. ten years at least. Yeah, we rode around Lake Hartwell and uh, stopped on little islands. The water was down about 30-something feet. Mm. Uh, but I remember 2013 was a year it rained so much. You know, we didn't think Lake Hartwell would come back. It came back in one season, filled back up because of 2013. You know, you tend to think that, that things can't be fixed that quick, but they can. In uh, 2010 to 2012, it stayed La Nina, pretty much. It went mm -hmm. from a strong La Nina to a mild La Nina and then went neutral and um, start 2012. Yeah, 2000, summer 2012 was all the record heat. It was 118 in Columbia or something like that. Broke, broke the all-time records for the hottest day of the uh, hottest day of the summer. We were 108 here, I think, or something like that. La Nina, pattern does change. It tends to bring down that uh, colder, drier air. Mm-hmm. You have more clippers, uh, the flow from the Pacific and the, and the Southwest and um, the Gulf. I mean, well, not necessarily the Gulf, but there's that pattern across the South, those lows that, like we had last year, kind of was like that, uh, straight through and out. But we're in, we're in that La Nina pattern, really, because we keep getting uh, this Northwest flow. And it's, and it's slowing up. So, yeah, um, pretty much everyone. Um, La Nina is a little more wet, a little more warmer, and La Nina is drier and supposedly a little cooler. But when you hit the summertime months in um, Southeast United States, drier typically doesn't mean cooler air; <laughs> just means oppressive yeah. and hot. And that's what he was saying a minute ago about um, us breaking records back in the you know, 2012. That's why I was, you know, I've been seeing a La Nina possibility happening for quite a while now. And that's why I've been wanting to say, you know, forecasting a, a crazy hot summer. And uh, we have 
We haven't seen a drought in a while, and I believe it's on its way. But yeah, we do. We'll cycle. Time will tell. Between drought and deluge, that's just that's what you call the average. Uh huh. I mean, there is no normal, and that's why I don't like the word normal because uh, there is no normal. The people say, I love meteorologists that say, well, it's 10 degrees cooler than where it should be. Who's to say what it's supposed to be, what it should be? It should be what? Well, it's always different. It's never average. It's mm-hmm. not a normal. There is no normal. It's an average. And that's why I think that's a big deal. That's a sticking point with me. I just think that average is the proper word. And quit dramatizing the, your 6 o'clock news and weather. Uh, by you know making people think it's worse than it's ever been, or it's hotter, it's colder. Uh, it's just you know, weather sales and media people are in the business to make money, and I understand that. And for us, it's easy to say what we want to say because we we don't have a whole lot to lose from it. That's right. Uh, that's, that's... So anyway, yeah, I understand where they're coming from. Well, that's what I certainly wouldn't give anything for Chris Justice. I think he's one of the best that I've ever known. So let's take a short break. We'll be back here in just a moment. Speaking of Chris Justice, if there's anybody else out in the podcast land, I, I, I know the um, people that follow us. Uh, now that we have interviewed Nicole Pape, Isaac Williams, and uh, Larry Cosgrove, and Dana Fulton, I know you guys listen as well. Um, if you could please help me get that interview with Chris Justice, that would be great. I really want to pick his weather brain. If anyone out there can help me do that, that would be great. I just uh, would would love to uh, speak with him. First through, well, let's do November. Nino. Yeah, all the models are anywhere from uh, slightly El Nino to uh, 1.0. A lot of them are about a point five to point to one point of La Nina by the fall. Let's do something different. Let's uh, garden forecast. How's your garden forecast coming? By the way, everyone, Larry gardens. I garden too. Yeah, Chris's daddy gardens. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he does, but he hasn't done it in a couple years. Taking a year off, he's busy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good one too. We've known a lot of gardeners, but... Uh, I've, all, I've done it for you a long time. Does the weather matter? Oh, yeah. I know. That's probably, well, I, I was, I loved the weather when I was little, so it ain't like I just started watching it. No, I mean, but how uh, does but, the weather matter for gardening? Oh, man, you got, it's really this, when you're gardening, really it's all about water. Uh, you, you, you have too you, much and too You make your preps and uh, you get your soil ready and you do your plants and you maintain your garden, you pull your weeds and all that, but I mean, if you ain't got water and rain, uh, that increases your challenges because that's that's a, that makes gardening more difficult. So, knowing what the if the rain's coming, then I don't have to water today. 
The other day I watered in the morning and I got a half an inch in the afternoon. So very important to have good soil that drains well, not red clay or mud. Or You gotta have good loamy soil that breathes well, that drains well. And that way, if you get excess water, um, it'll drain through a lot quicker and you won't have the problem with too much water on your crops. Now the downside of that is when it when it's like that, it dries out quicker. Uh, you can go in, if your soil's right, you can go in the next day after a rain and work in your garden. So um, so you don't really concern yourself with weather as much if your soil's right. Yeah. If your soil's not right and it's not what it needs to be, then you better pay attention. Um, so um, I keep up with the weather for the garden as far as I measure I take a measurement of rain every day. I've been doing it for 15 years. Uh, or, well, I've been doing it longer than that, but for the um, Cocoraz, which is C-O-C-O-R-A-H-S. Which is a website. You can go there and you check out um, different rain gauges that people like Larry have done all over the United States. Yeah, there's thousands of people that, that take daily readings of uh, precipitation, whether it be hail, sleet, snow, rain, whatever. Um, and uh, you, you log it in, and I've been doing that for 15 years. And, uh, so I have a record. I have a personal weather station that gives me a record of uh, how much water I've had. And you know, you, there's a cutoff there. You think, well, if I get a quarter inch rain. Well, that's not enough to water. You really got to water your plants deeper than that. So you really got to know uh, how much precipitation you've had to help you decide if you're going to water the next day or what you're going to do. So. That's really important. It's good. It's good to know for um, to have a successful garden. Yeah, yeah. And then hail. Uh, what about wind? Some hail damage this year. Um, wind's a problem. My corn's been blown over already. I've had to stand it back up. Twice. I remember you, you posted a video and, and you were like, "That dang wind!" Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the reasons I don't grow corn. Uh, it gets blown over, but uh, you just stand it back up and keep going. Uh, it, it's worth the trouble, really. Tomatoes to me, um, over the years have just, I just want to give them the finger. To be honest with you, because I love tomatoes. I, I love eating them, but if they get too much water, they crack. If they don't have enough water, they crack. Uh, blossom end rot. Mm -hmm. Blah blah blah. The list goes on and on, and they grow like a bush. And you got to. Um, tomatoes have got to need a consistent flow of water. They can't dry out, but they can't get too much. So. They're, that tomatoes are hard to grow. There's a lot of things go on with them. And if you're like me, you, I don't use pesticides of any kind with tomatoes because um, that kills all your good bugs. Um, you just they're they're real. Um, if their feet get wet or standing in water, then they'll rot on you mm -hmm. um, or they'll bust. But if you give them a consistent flow of water, that's why. You got to monitor tomatoes daily. Yes. You got to know exactly how much water did it get yesterday? Mm -hmm. How much am I going to give it today? Mm -hmm. When's the last time I fertilized it? And I keep a chart on when I fertilize. That's important because you don't want to over fertilize either. Um, tomatoes don't really need a lot of fertilizer. But that water, talking about water and rain, if it gets a, you can't really control what kind of water it gets. Uh, 2013 was a terrible year for tomatoes because you couldn't really control how much water your plants got. They got too much. I know a guy in Chesney that planted 500 tomato plants and lost every one of them. Oh my gosh. He was going to sell produce and uh, that year it was so wet he lost all of them. Oh, so it's horrible. That, it's important to have 
go back to, if you got good soil, real good soil that drains well, excess rain should not be a problem. So prepare the soil. But if, if your soil's not right, then you're gonna have some problems with the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, you know, gardening is always fun. It creates its own challenges in itself, regardless of the weather. Um, I'm learning that myself. Um, my father obviously uh, traded me the green thumb. I've done pretty well over the years. Um, I'm just... Uh, yeah, Chris likes them hot peppers. Yes. Uh, hot. Super hot peppers. I'm currently hot. growing um, chocolate reapers, uh, peach reapers, Carolina reaper, ghost pepper, uh, jalapeno, habanero, and Tabasco. And uh, makes me sweat thinking about it. And I've got uh, tomatoes. I've got six tomato plants. I have eight uh, super hot pepper plants, six tomato plants, and uh, one cucumber plant, and one uh, mint plant that our neighbor gave us. And um, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. You know, the rule of thumb is if you ever want to start gardening, uh, make sure you only grow what you're going to eat. Don't grow something you're not going to eat because it's just a waste of time. And with that, let's take a short break. come back just want to give you guys a heads up um, I end up starting a live video on Facebook to let the followers let you guys see us me and Larry doing the podcast live on Facebook Larry and I uh, went ahead and discussed our thoughts and opinions on the outlook of the 2020 hurricane season and kind of what we've already been seeing so far and then as we were going through and almost finishing up the podcast we had an interesting side note from the neighbor up the street hey everyone it's chris with the weather guys and mr larry over here uh we are going to do a uh live video here letting you guys see us while we are podcasting so we're not going to be really paying attention to this too much i'm going to move over here so i can be in the shot too is that, is that yeah it works all right so uh right now we are discussing um the uh tropical season outlook uh we've already had um a few storms so far uh, you don't want a lot of shear which uh, there's not a lot of shear this year actually um so um the, right now that uh saharan air layer the sal is pretty much it's so dry that it's inhibiting any tropical development so uh, if that continues through the summer and it can it's uh, usually june to august is the strongest period they um uh, if it continues into the fall, then that could possibly inhibit uh, more tropical development, which would make it less than an average year, or who knows. But there again, it's all about timing. It's, it's anything, whether we get snow, sleet, hail, rain, hurricane, tornado. You know, you always have to have the ingredients, and then especially if you throw curveballs into the mixture, if you know, if you if you're trying to make a cake and you you know you have all your ingredients, your flour, your sugar, your water, your oil, your eggs and uh, then you throw in dill pickle juice. That's the wrong ingredient. 
if you throw in dust from Africa, that's the wrong ingredient, and it's it's going to not happen. So um, the same thing with um, snow. If you throw in too much warm air, you don't have snow. You just have cold rain. You got you got to understand all your your systems in the, around the earth. There's so many variables and so many scenarios that are possible Which is, at a, one given time and one given moment in history. And um, that's when uh, you say you have a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, Hurricane Sandy was a perfect storm. A lot of ingredients came together at the same time. Uh, 1977, January, coldest January on record, coldest month on record for us. All the ingredients came together at the right time um, for us to have that kind of weather for one month and uh, for us to get below zero temperatures uh, like we have a few times I mean everything's got to be timing it's all about timing so to sit here and predict what the tropical system will do um, you know I, I'm like I don't like to make those kind of predictions but uh, I think I think you can expect some average well, you could have a landfall and hurricane in the U.S. every year. Uh, and, and it's typically a one to three named storms that make a landfall. That is your, I'm going to go with the word typical. I'm not even going to use normal or average. Yeah, I'm just going to say typical. Um, and uh, whenever you have, I mean, you're going to always have a hurricane season. You may not even have a landfalling hurricane. There have been seasons where there haven't really been any. Uh, which is a good thing. We don't want landfalling hurricanes. Um, the greatest thing about meteorology now at this point, um, you know, 2020, is that we can see that hurricane coming for weeks, you know, in advance. Well, at least a week in advance, you know. So the preparations are there. That's a good thing. Um, but when it comes to severe weather, we've gotten better with that as well. We know the chances of severe weather. Uh, we can see that in the future, uh, but trying to pinpoint where a tornado is going to drop, no, no, not so much. It's a, little, it's a lot harder. Um, so I, you know, personally, um, looking at all the data and reading all the different things from many different various websites that I've read, um, La Nina seasons typically are a little more aggressive with uh, tropical cyclone formation in the Atlantic. Um, that is due to uh, minimal shear and minimal dust. Um, right now, the dust layer is on a an extreme variant and a rarity top variant. Therefore, you know, tropical cyclone development is not going to happen. Um, but the season's just getting started, so we got until November. But it can go all the way to December. But, you know, that's when it ends. So. Yeah. Uh, dust layer's a bit of a surprise for most everybody. Nobody, nobody predicted that. But, but it does happen. It's just another one of those variables that uh, kind of blindsides uh, weather people. And uh, nobody was predicting it. When, everybody knows it's there. Mm -hmm. um, and some years it's worse than others. And this just happens to be one of those years. Uh, whether it continues or not depends on the winds. Uh, that dust cloud can cover the entire earth. It can actually go around the earth. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting to see how it turns out. I mean, it'd be funny. We, we, could, we could have a very low hurricane season uh, as far as numbers if that thing continues. 
Uh, it's it's right where hurricanes form and uh, exactly. And that's you know what's interesting here is what he just said is that. He didn't say it like this. He didn't say a gut feeling like we have said before, but that sounded like a gut feeling kind of mm-hmm. kind of forecast oh, or yeah. kind of you know discussion. And um, me personally, if I'm going to go with any gut feelings on my team, it's his. Like a Bernie Reno minute moment. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. And, uh, He's always got gut feelings. Of course, older guy, I think older guys have gut feelings more. Uh, We've seen so much, but uh, I don't. I don't see. If I had to, if I want my gut feeling, I'd say it'd be less than average. But I don't. I don't like to look far out on those kinds of things. La Nina, yeah, I'll, I'll look out to January. I'll tell you, this is gonna be La Nina. I think mm-hmm. we all agree on that. Yep. Um, yeah, I think so. How many hurricanes are gonna have this year? I, I couldn't tell. You. Two, one, five. Uh, we've had three storms, and who knows? That may be all we have. Um, is it going to snow on Christmas? <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> but one year, you know, a few times it has. It is snow somewhere. I'm not making them long-range forecasts on some things, but some things we can. And that, that's, what, that's what I like about it. We, get, we sit around and say, oh, boy, we know that La Nina is going to be here. I mean, we feel good about knowing six months from now what that's going to do. Yeah. But we'd like to know six months from now exactly what the weather's going to be. I think uh, I think we would be. Uh, uh, well, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. No, no, no. So I, that's why we continue this quest and this adventure, and uh, and even scientists they they continue. They work every day trying to come up with better ways of predicting and um, to help others um, I mean really that's what it's about is giving information for others we're not we don't profit from this we just, it's just an interest of ours that uh, we like to share so um, I think that um, I think it's a different world um, I wish we'd had this technology when I was growing up I remember Hurricane Camille in 69 uh, there wasn't they just knew there was a hurricane in the Gulf, and it hit the Gulf Coast, and it was, uh, you read about it in the newspaper the next day, and that was it. And there wasn't all this radar and all this technology, and uh, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of media then. Newspaper and uh, 6 o'clock news, uh, TV cut off at 11 o'clock at night. There wasn't any TV all night. There wasn't none of this 24-hour stuff. Uh, no weather radios. There's a lot of things that you have now that you have access to uh, that can help you see what's coming. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty amazing to me that you can see what's coming, that you can take uh, satellite pictures of hurricanes. That's just amazing. Uh, it um, is. And, when I, and I can really appreciate that because I grew up with... uh yeah, had a TV in the house with three channels and a radio... They had AM. I remember the days before FM, and uh, a telephone with a cord. That's about it. That's what I grew up with. I'd like to take people Chris's age and even younger, and, uh, and uh, just for appreciation, not not to teach them a lesson or anything like that, just to show them how things were. But I guess the same thing with me. I'd like to know how mom and daddy 
lived out in the country and worked on the farm with no technology and no indoor they just plumbing and looked up to the sky and said, "All right, it's raining. We got to go inside." Exactly. So, <laughs> and so I guess we'd all like to go back and see how things were, live one day in, in this time. And um, but the technology now, I, I love it. I just absolutely love it. Uh, I, I'm learning more now than I ever have, and I, I'm the kind of guy's gonna keep learning. I, I love research. I love doing things like that. You know, weather's a science. I love it. Gardening's a science. I love astronomy. I love it all. Anyway. Gardening to me is an art form. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, we're going to um, close this down. Uh, we are sitting at right at almost an hour of the podcast, which is going to be added to because there's a lot of pauses and whatnot in it. But um, I'm going to touch base with everyone. Um, make sure to uh, check us out on Facebook.com, Guys, Twitter.com, at WX underscore guys. Neighbor up the street, weather guys rock. That's awesome. I got distracted there. Uh, Facebook.com, uh, the uh, WX guys, and uh, Twitter.com, WX underscore guys. Uh, Twitter, like I said, is blowing up good. Make sure you go check us out there. We do a lot of our um, um, minute to minute updates there. Um, and of course, on the podcast um, at Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud, just go to your search bar and type in the weather guys. And um, this has been great. This has been fun. Thank you, Larry, for joining me today. Um, we got to do the summer. We don't usually do a summer one. No, we don't. It's a good, good time, though. Um, I think maybe the next time. Let Actually, let me know. Let us know what y'all thought of this new style of podcasting. Larry and I have been discussing this um, for a couple months now, and uh, we finally found some time to get together and do it. And um, we're going to – I like it personally. You know, we're just talking back and forth with each other. So um, – let us know what you think. Thank you for joining me, Larry. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so y'all know what I'm going to say next. As always, stay weather aware. Thank you for joining us on the Weather Guys Podcast Hour, episode number 15. Thank you again to Mr. Larry for joining us and talking weather jargon with us. I hope you enjoyed. You know what I'm going to say next. As always, stay weather aware. <laughs>